thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and I'm here with the fabulous co-founder of The Wellness Couch and The Wellness Guys, Dr. Damien Christoph. How are you, Damo? Oh, great, Marcus. How exciting, MP? This is a very exciting episode we have coming up, isn't it? Oh, I'm, I'm buzzing. I've been buzzing. In fact, if I didn't need sleep, I wouldn't have slept last night And because uh, I am very excited. I, look, I've known this guy. Well, I've known of this guy for a long time. I've met him a number of times. And uh, he's reshaped my perception of the universe, of humans, of everything. And so he's helped me get through some serious stuff. And I'm so excited to be interviewing uh, today. Oh. All righty. Well, um, we truly are blessed to have one of the world leaders in the field of human potential on 100 Not Out today. How is this for a life so far? We are about to speak to a man who wore hand and leg braces from an early age to correct a birth defect. At school, he had difficulty reading, writing and speaking, which was later diagnosed as dyslexia and a speech impediment. His fir- in first grade, his teacher announced to his parents that he would never read, write, communicate, never amount to anything, nor go very far in life. At the age of 14, he left school, headed for Hawaii to surf, where at 17, he had a near-death experience as a result of strychnine poisoning. Then, when he was 17, he met a 93-year-old man called Paul Bragg, who assisted him to awaken to an inspired vision of becoming a teacher, healer, and philosopher. So then, with focus and determination, he broke through his dyslexia, mastered reading and writing, went back to Texas, completed high school, went on to study chiropractic, (laughs) where he graduated in 1982 at the top of his class. Since then, he's spent a total of 39 years avidly researching over 260 different disciplines and ologies such as psychology, cosmology, economics, sociology, biology, theology, and so on. (laughs) Today, it gets better. He travels over 360 days a year to almost 60 countries where he shares his research and findings across the globe. He is the author of over 40 books and over 50 CDs and DVDs. Millions of people recognize him from his role in The Secret, and that's just the beginning. On every weekend of the year, you will find him presenting his signature course, The Breakthrough Experience, where he teaches and helps people to reduce stress, resolve conflict, and allow people to open their heart and mind to a new perspective and paradigm for life. Today, he's been good enough to give us some of his precious time from Dallas, Texas. I speak of none other than the great Dr. John Demartini. Dr. Demartini, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's unbelievable. I had to get it all out. It's a phenomenal life you have led so far, and I just wanted to give the listeners an idea as to the gravity of the human being we're speaking with today. Well, thank you. I, I, um, I hope that I can be of service to everybody who's listening. John, there's no doubt that you will be of service. Um, I, I think everybody who meets you, you're of service to. Uh, you're an incredible servant to the planet. And uh, th- this podcast that we do is all about aging and aging well, successfully mastering the art of aging is, is the tagline that we like to use. 
One of the things that uh, I find fascinating in speaking to people who are aging well or aging, what I would say, inappropriately, is their mindset, their whole perception around the whole uh, idea of aging. Some people are very fearful of it. Some people are very encouraged by it. Some people, you know, embrace it and they love it. Do you have a perspective on aging? I mean, you age incredibly well, which I want to talk about that in a moment. But what's your perspective on aging? Well, I do believe that uh, there's a many, it's multifactorial. I do believe that from a psychology perspective, that anytime we have the opportunity to live congruently in an alignment with what is most meaningful, most purposeful, most inspiring, what's highest on our values, uh, we tend to be most adaptable, less stressful, and more visionary, and we have more of a will to live than uh, a compulsion for immediate gratification. And we tend to expand the space and time horizons in our mind, which increases our longevity because it expands our goals for longer periods. We also tend to be less impulsive with our diet, less impulsive with our reactions, less addictive in our uh, behavior, which has been proven to help reduce the volatilities, reduce stress and and increase longevity. So from a psychological perspective, um, there are things we definitely can do that can decrease the probability of accelerating the aging process. And that spills over into physiology. Our physiology, whenever we live by our prefrontal cortex and we're most inspired and the executive centers override our amygdala and our, our primitive passionate centers, uh, our, our telomeres on our genetics have been extended. It reduces our stress and they, that tends to have more mitotic opportunities. So we, we, we grow from that physiologically. And we also know that if we hang around people who are alive and have visions and inspirations and things to do, like the youth, we tend to stay more youthful. Yeah. And of course, when we are in that status, we also tend to live um, not to eat, but eat to live. We tend to think in terms of uh, having something we can't wait to do in the morning, so we eat wisely to help us do it instead of just living to eat. And we're less likely to be overeating, which shorten our life. And we've already proven that people who have something to live for, they tend, they tend to eat less and they have more caloric restrictions and more longevity from that. So the spillover from just psychology alone is immense. Yeah, John, there's a few things, Dr. Demartini, there's a few things you talk about there. Peer group, uh, living an inspired life and diet. So many people these days are obsessed with an anti-aging diet. In your opinion and in your experience, what do you believe is, is the ideal diet? Well... You know, I, I learned when I was 18 years old, I was at Wharton um, College and I, I studied, I found all the collective writings of Gandhi. And um, there's many, many volumes. And I started reading his memoirs. And I noticed what one thing he did is he wrote down every single thing he ate and drank and thought throughout the day. He did a tremendous amount of self-analysis. And um, he, he pioneered self-analysis like I'd never seen before. And I started doing that because I figured if it was useful to him and he made a difference, I would do the same. And um, I noticed that there were certain things that worked and what didn't work. And I noticed certain behaviors from certain eating patterns from self-analysis. And I think that doing truly a self-analysis of how, what you, how you feel, how you function by what you eat is more eye-opening than any book I've read. Hmm. Although... It is wisdom not to overdo certain foods. I really believe that moderation is still a key. Consistency and rhythm are a key. And, um, you know, allow yourself a diversity of foods so you get adequate nutrition. I also believe that supplementation today 
is essential because we don't have the nutrients they're missing today. Yeah. So I think that's essential. And I do believe that there are certain nutrients that do catalyze hormonic uh, equanimity that allows the body to stabilize and less age. So there are, there are many things nutritionally that are, have been proven to help. And I do believe that learning everything we can to maximize our longevity and our potential is the key. My teacher when I was 17 was Paul Bragg. He was a longevitist. He's the one that started me on this whole journey back in 1972. What a teacher. What a teacher. He's incredible. No wonder you, uh, you, you came from good stock. John, um, one of the things that I pick up with what you're talking about is that you say to minimize volatility. So it seems that there's a degree of consistency or a degree of... Um, oh, Actually, I don't know how to explain it any better than to decrease the volatility. You said that before in a comment that you made. In diet and in exercise and in um, lifestyle and perception and thinking and sleeping, are we talking about trying to get some kind of consistency, something that actually works for us, rather than going to all different ends of extremes? Is that what you're talking about, decreasing volatility? Yes. See, this, this goes back to the psychology. Whenever we're living purposefully and inspired by our highest values, we decrease the probability of impulsive behavior and volatile uh, impulses to try to get an instant pleasure. We start to think in terms of long-term vision, and this in itself elongates our life. But it, consistency is the key. You know, so I, I see people that come to me for care or whatever, and they, um, they're eating three meals one day, one meal the next day, uh, snacking the next day overeating this and working out and then uh, lowering blood sugar and then going out and binging and then yeah. i have all these volatilities instead of having just simply a moderate consistent rhythmic pattern of a variety of diet uh, diet uh, foods that is consistent mm -hmm. and when you do your in bowel transient time is normalized your your peristaltic action is normalized your blood sugar is normalized your your liver and and pancreatic functions are stabilized uh, everything works as it is designed to if you are smart. And, and just like in the corporate arena, you have small cap stocks that are basically uh, highly volatile and short-lived. And you have long-term visionary stocks that are, that are large cap that have been there and they're stable. The volatilities of those fluctuating stock prices are stable on the large cap and volatile on the small cap. Mm -hmm. And we see a direct correlation between volatility and shorter time spans in people's minds, in their corporate structures, and in their physiology. Such so, a great point. Dr. Demartini, there's a number of extreme diets you know, out there these days, and I subscribe to being a vegan for five, five years or so, and I'm, I'm gradually coming out of that and reintroducing more meat into my diet. But you know, there, are, would, there would be a number of listeners right now that would be on, quote-unquote, an extreme diet. So for people listening, you know, do you recommend transitioning like – at a couple of events I've seen you speak at, you speak about more of an, an omnivorous diet where you're essentially incorporating plant-based and you know animal proteins um, and everything else in between. Are you more just talking about having consistency on a daily basis from all food sources? I mean, for people that want to know, I mean, are you talking even letting your hair down every now and again and enjoying that as well rather than getting caught up in the, the guilt uh, that a lot of people associate to, to letting their hair down? Well... Um, anytime you inject the values of somebody around you that you've given authority to, and it doesn't match what's truly you, which is why I use the Gandhi approach, yep. um, you run the risk of suppression and repression of who you are, which then creates a binging volatility to compensate because yeah. you're now feeling, oh, I'm pride, and then I feel shame that I've, I've blown it because you're not being yourself. 
So I'm a believer in, in looking carefully at what's working so you're not going by you know, outside authorities necessarily. That doesn't mean you don't want to learn from them. When it comes to varieties of foods, uh, I've experimented myself with almost every kind of diet, mainly for research purposes, to see what happens so I can relate to the clients that I worked with. And uh, without a doubt, anytime you're suppressing, you're going to binge, you're going to compensate. So it's wiser to have a moderate approach. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, you know, overdo uh, sweets and things of this nature and, and you give yourself excuses for that. I'm just saying, because I, I, I frankly don't eat sweets. I eat a grape for dinner, for dessert. I don't, I'm not one into that, but I don't crave them. So I don't have a missingness. I don't feel like I'm suppressing it. I don't think like that. I eat wisely because it's just, it's wise to eat that way. And it's been a pattern that's developed from what's feedback from what's worked through time. So I think it's wise to pay close attention to the feedback of your own physiology. I think it's wise to uh, educate yourself on what foods have what nutrients so you can make sure that you have at least a variety to supplement. I do believe that supplementation is wise. Uh, I do believe that it's challenging today to be on a mono diet or even a poly diet. I think an omni diet is a lot easier and it gives you more access to foods. But I do believe that some people can do very fine on a veg and diet if they're, if they're scientifically sensible about it. If they are making sure that they're mixing the nutrients and the combinations of, of proteinous materials um, properly. And, and, and so it's, I wouldn't say that you, know, you can't do a vegan diet or a fruitarian diet or these kind of foods. It's just that if, if you're doing it, make sure you're doing it out of wisdom and not out of just emotional reaction. That's a great call, John. In fact, one of both of our very close friends, uh, Brian Kelly, is uh, is a vegan, and he does it beautifully. I haven't seen him look healthier than when I saw him just the other day in San Francisco. So I know that it can work, and it can be really good. And you're right; you need to listen to your body, John. I know that, uh, and I've heard you say this a number of times: you don't cook, and you don't drive a car. Uh, now. <laughs> A lot of people say that when they go to the United States or when they travel, they can't eat well. Now, I've seen you speak over the last 14 years. Your suit size hasn't changed. Your hair still looks as good as what it would when you were 16 years old. You've still got the part down the center like you would when you were in the 70s. Everything looks fantastic about you, and you don't cook. You eat out most of the time. What's your secret? What are you choosing? How could it be so easy for you but so tough for so many other people? You know, I, I can't say it's anything special. I, my breakfast consists of uh, either yogurt, plain yogurt, or cottage cheese, usually fresh fruit, grapes, berries, whatever fresh fruit's in season, and multigrain toast. That's my typical breakfast. My lunch um, is usually, you're going to laugh probably, but it's, it's usually a salad with either fish or chicken, um, it's, and it's try to get a variety of vegetables in it. Or it's a sandwich. I usually eat bread and a multigrain bread. People don't always eat bread. I still love multigrain breads of some form or yes. some sort of grain. Mm-hmm. And uh, I usually have a grape for dessert. That's my, my dessert. I like to change the palate with a grape. My dinner is basically <laughs> the same thing. I usually eat fish and, and um, usually carrots and spinach or vegetables and, and multigrain breads and a grape. Or sometimes I'll have some sushi, some raw fish along with that. But I, I, I eat a variety of vegetables a variety of fish or chickens. Uh, I've had probably six ounces of meat in the last 40 years. I'm not a big meat eater, Mm -hmm. but if somebody to me, I certainly wouldn't defend them. I just have a bite. I'm just not a big, I I, I found for myself that I I like fish mostly because it's lighter. It's easier to digest. 
Damo, uh, do you know there's thousands of people around the world right now stopping by the supermarket to get a bunch of grapes and have one for dessert tonight? <laughs> and a loaf of bread. It's and a loaf of bread. A, that's right. Well, it's yeah. nice to hear the secrets. You know, my grandfather's 93. He's had multi-grain bread every single day of his life for every single meal. Uh, and so, you know, some people are doing it well. So There's not just one thing, is there? That's the thing. A lot of people think, oh, well, if I do this one thing, I'll get it right and I'll age well. But it's a combination. Well, people, it's, a, it's a recipe. People looking for the magic bullet usually get shot. I always say that it's wiser. <laughs> that is a great line. It's, it's wiser to um, know that it's a multifactorial incremental um, adjustment to many wise actions. And I think that's a wiser. I also believe that walking, uh, people I notice that walk a lot tend to live longer than people who don't. Um, I always say there's four or five basic exercises that people can do. Walking, swimming, walking up inclined planes, dancing and stretching or yoga. I think these are natural uh, out activities that are not extremes that allow the person to moderate their physiology. Extreme exercises usually creates extreme volatilities in a lot of people. So moderate exercise um, that is meaningful that you love to do is, I think, a wise action. And stretching and using the, boi- the joints so you're, you know, you're flexible because flexible bodies and flexible minds tend to have flexible lives. Dr. Demartini, I have one one more question because I know we're we're starting to run out of time, but um, I'll, I'll leave Damo to have one more question as well. But positive thinking, people are obsessed with positive thinking. They think if it's if they think well, then if they think positively, then then they're sorted and everything will be okay. I've heard this story, but I'd love you to share it for people out there. Can you please share your experience in how you learnt and and discovered and analysed your thinking um, for us? Are you talking about the story of how I discerned about positive versus balanced thinking? Yeah, well, after you read uh, The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. And yeah, what I did many years ago uh, at age 28 or so, after 10 years of attempting to be a monopoled thinker, one-sided thinker, positive thinker, and feeling like a hypocrite and feeling I was beating myself up every time I had a negative thought and I was all infatuated with myself every time I thought I was positive, um, I, I started doing an analysis because I felt like I was a hypocrite. I just didn't feel like it was working completely. And um, I felt like I had a split life. My public and private lives were, were you know, pairs of opposites. Publicly, I was trying to put on an air of positivity. And then my private life was downloading either on myself or others some of the negativity. So I started doing an analysis. And what I did is I took 300 of the best-selling books uh, in the genre of positive thinking, you know, self-help area. And I took the most positive words I went page by page through and circled every positive word I found and put them in an index card. And uh, up in the top left corner, I put the word in the top corner. And I accumulated in those 300 books, 2,000 of the most positive words in the English language. Then my belief at the time, because that's what I was taught, is that if I affirmed and focused and subliminally communicated those words, it would increase the probability of that outcome, a positive outcome. So what I did is I took these 2,000 words and I meditated on each one and thought of a quote or affirmation uh, that I could say that would include that word as sort of a subliminal message. I typed them up. I made them bold and italicized. And I published them in a book called 2,000 Quotes of the Wise uh, that had about, oh, three days worth. I divided 365 days into 2,000, which made five to six quotes per day. So there's about three days worth on each page, about 15, 20 quotes. And um, then I would go from 
from January 1st to December 31st, I would read that day's worth uh, over and over again. At the time, I was also writing a book on comparative religions called The Tree of Life. And I noticed that some religions in both the East and West had a chanting process where they would repeat chants of 108 times a day, the Joppa beads, the rosary beads. So I decided I would chant these each of these five to six quotes 108 times a day <laughs> to, to increase the probability of me having those going to my mind. Huh? <laughs> no, some people are laughing, but it, I was pretty nervous. No, this is amazing. This is amazing. So then what I did is I took those five to 600 plus quotes and reaffirmed them all day long. And I made a chart and I created a cycle day by day uh, forecasting form. And I took the seven areas of life, spiritual, mental, career, financial, family, social, and physical. And I created a chart for 31 days, including all seven areas of life with 31 days going across the side of the page. And I divided each day into seven in the morning, 11, three, and seven. And I monitored four times a day how I felt uh, in each of these seven areas of life while I was affirming these. So, and I got a little timer from Target that would go beep, 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 like a cooking timer that would go off every four hours. And I would pull out the form and I would monitor how do I feel in these seven areas. So spiritually, I ask, do I feel spiritually awakened or do I feel kind of shut down? Uh, mentally, do I feel sharp or dull? Career, do I feel successful or failure? Relationship, do I feel close and intimate or or maybe uh, extroverted or outward or re revolved? Do, uh, do I feel financially viable or not? Do I feel socially extroverted or introverted? And physically, do I feel vital or yucky? And um, <laughs> monitored this on a plus three to minus three basis with zero being flat, average, blah kind of thing. And um, what I did is I monitored this four times a day, every day, and you're going to laugh at this, but I did this for 24 months, two friggin' year, <laughs> and, and did this and affirmed this uh, to, to try to find out once and for all, was this true or was this just some idealism that I had injected into my life because of authorities? And in the process of doing that, I was, during that time, I had the strongest bipolar volatility urges that I'd ever had in my life since or before. <laughs> I was addicted to try to be a one-sided person, and it was splitting me up. I was bipolar condition as a byproduct of monopolar addiction, and I was definitely addicted to one side at the time. Yeah. And I was volatile. And it happened to be that I, that was the time I got married, so I was assuming it was the, the reason of my spouse, even though it wasn't. And um, as a result of it, at the end of two years, I then did an analysis and got a computer out, or not a computer, a calculator out, and totaled up all of the numbers. And to my intuitive and knowing, but to my surprise at the same time, it came out zero, which wow. meant that all the ups and all the downs zeroed out. And then I realized that all of this effort that I was trying to do was going against nature. Nature intended the grail, intended the balance. And I was trying to make myself a one-sided person. And I realized that my negative self-talk was only emerging at the time I was addicted to a fantasy of one-sidedness. And so I realized that my negative self-talk, instead of it's something to get rid of, it was I was using it as a feedback to let me know whenever I set, was setting unrealistic expectations on myself or other people. And so I, I don't teach positive thinking. I teach balanced thinking because I believe you can't have balanced physiology with an imbalanced mind. Unreal. Dr. John, Dr. Wow. Demartini, that was uh, <laughs> an absolutely fantastic insight. We could go on, Damo, for another hour. but. Days, uh, days.
Unfortunately, we need to respect uh, Dr. Demartini's time. Dr. Demartini, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure um, hearing your insights into the aging process. For more information on Dr. Demartini, please go to his website, drdemartini.com, or go to our website, thewellnesscouch slash 100 not out. We'd love to hear your feedback on what you've thought of the interview. Also, if you've liked this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and also check out thewellnesscouch.com where you can view the entire range of wellness podcasts available, including their number one show, The Wellness Guys. Damo, I will speak to you on the next episode of 100 Not Out. Oh, I'll tell you what, MP and John, thank you so much. I, I'm going to listen to that one. I think for the next seven days, just every single day, I'm gonna. I might have to reaffirm this whole call to myself because it's amazing. Thanks, John. It's been excellent. Thanks, MP. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank Good you. Work, May man. you continue your work. Thank you. And until next week, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Hi, Dr. Brett Hill from That Paleo Show here. Would you like to dedicate 10 hours to yourself to get your nutrition, your exercise, and your mindset all on track? Would you like to do it with the Wellness Guys, the Up For A Chat Girls, and over 500 other wellness enthusiasts? Then you have to join us Saturday, August the 17th at Crown Melbourne for our next Wellness Summit. We'd love to see you there. For great group discounts and to secure your spot, go to www.thewellnesssummit.com.